Chapter Fourteen of the Friendly Terrace Quartet, or Peggy Raymond at the Poplars, by Harriet Lummis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen. Absent without leave. The Monday following Peggy's talk with Mag Whipple was an unusually hard day, or at least so Peggy thought it at the time. She recalled her feeling afterward with the incredulity with which we frequently look back on the occasions when we have been sorry for ourselves there are certain troubles which like pharaoh's lean kine swallow all that go before and make them as if they had never been peggy came home monday afternoon tired and hot and resentful her work that day had been on one of the farms decidedly unpopular among the girls of the land army on their way home they had compared notes and all had the same story to tell the gruffness of the farmer himself had been no more objectionable than the uncouth gallantry of the hired man, and as they were to work on the same farm for the remainder of the week, the outlook was calculated to inspire gloom. "'I do hope we have a good dinner to-night,' said Marion Keith to Peggy, who sat beside her on the front seat of the bus. "'But I have a suspicion that it will be pork-chops. Haven't you noticed that in perfectly boiling weather we're almost sure to have pork-chops?' With that pessimistic prophecy in her ears— Peggy, on entering the house, began to sniff the odors from the kitchen to satisfy herself as to the correctness of Marian's apprehension. But before she had had time to settle that vital point, Priscilla, who had been assigned to K.P. duty for the day, seized her arm. "'Mrs. Lockwood has a telegram for you, Peggy. It didn't come till half an hour ago, or I should have tried to get it to you.' "'A telegram?' repeated Peggy, and forgot that she was tired. It was characteristic of her that she went cheerfully to find the matron. Outside of the business world, nine people out of ten who receive telegrams open them apprehensively and are relieved to find that they contain no bad news. But Peggy was so temperamentally incapable of going ahead to meet trouble that as she tore open the little yellow envelope her face betrayed only pleased expectancy. The telegram was not a long one, but it seemed to take Peggy a long time to read it. Indeed, as she stood with her eyes glued to the typewritten lines, the whole world was being readjusted. Priscilla saw the fresh color ebbing from her friend's face, leaving it ghastly under the tan, but even then she was not prepared to have Peggy turn to her with a moaning cry and sink against her shoulder. "'Peggy!' gasped Priscilla, terrified. "'Oh, Peggy, darling!' What the grief was that brought Peggy to her arms, Priscilla had no idea, and for the instant she did not even put the question to herself. The thing that made the sight of Peggy's suffering intolerable was the remembrance that on the day before she had been disagreeable. Poor Priscilla could not believe that this was not as vividly present to Peggy's thoughts as to her own. Mrs. Lockwood turned from her desk and uttered an exclamation. The attitude of the two girls told a story no one could misunderstand. "'What has happened?' she cried. The hand that held the telegram fluttered, then raised itself slowly. Priscilla took the slip of paper from the shaking fingers and read the message aloud. "'Have you had any word from G, or do you know where he is? He has been absent from camp since Friday without leave. Ruth.' The eyes of Mrs. Lockwood and Priscilla met. The matrons asked a question which Priscilla's answered. Mrs. Lockwood sighed. She remembered the handsome young man in uniform and the devoted sister who had spent a Sunday with Peggy not long before. "'Poor child!' she said, and something in her sympathetic tone brought Peggy's head up from Priscilla's shoulder. 
white and shaking as she was she faced the older woman steadily it's not what you think she said it's not as bad as that it's only that he's dead poor child breathed mrs lockwood again and priscilla began to cry but peggy's eyes were quite dry some boys would get sick of it all and desert said peggy they'd take it to heart if an officer was unreasonable and they'd fret about the food and the things that were hard and they'd work themselves up till some day they'd simply leave but graham's not made that way he couldn't desert if he's been away three days without leave he must be dead come to my room where you won't be disturbed dear and lie down said mrs lockwood her voice showing how profoundly she was moved but the color was slowly coming back to peggy's cheeks i must go home she said oh mrs lockwood you'll let me go won't you you shall go as soon as you are able peggy but first you need rest yielding as peggy could be on occasion she was adamant now she longed for her mother she wanted to be at ruth's side helping her to bear this overwhelming trouble with its intolerable mystery for peggy's usual hopefulness had strangely failed her at this crisis she never doubted that graham was dead priscilla suggested accompanying her to the city mrs lockwood approved but peggy demurred i don't need any one i can go alone oh peggy you are cruel exclaimed priscilla again bursting into tears for a moment she really thought peggy was punishing her for the previous day one look into peggy's wondering eyes made her ashamed of her suspicion but she could not stop crying i don't mean to be cruel priscilla dear peggy said in a troubled tone but my going will leave you short-handed here and it's such a busy time now i'll take the early morning train back cried priscilla i'll do a full day's work to-morrow but that would make such a hard day for you i want it to be hard i mean i don't care how hard it is but in the first statement priscilla had spoken her real feelings she had a certainty that she would never be at peace till she had punished herself for her treatment of peggy the previous day the gong had sounded for dinner but it was a question whether anything would be eaten thanks to that form of wireless which antedates marconi's invention by the lifetime of the human race everyone in the house knew that peggy raymond was in trouble that she was going home and that priscilla was to accompany her though only for overnight amy flew upstairs disdaining the very thought of dinner mag whipple tried to swallow and discovered a lump in her throat that made the operation difficult if not impossible all around the table were solemn faces the girls talked in low voices when they spoke but they said little marion keith whose apprehensions in regard to pork chops had not been realized and who had forgotten that such things ever mattered was thankful to be summoned from a meal she had hardly tasted it was mrs lockwood who had sent for her peggy plans to take the half-past seven train she said and priscilla is going with her won't you hurry through your dinner and drive them to the station i've eaten all i can already oh mrs lockwood what is it is anyone sick or dead she thinks so replied mrs lockwood and repeated the substance of ruth's telegram marian went to bring out the bus looking as pale as if the news had concerned herself directly it took some little time for peggy to make her toilet she had just come from a hard day's work her knees were shaky and her hands trembled so uncontrollably that she could hardly button her blouse amy and priscilla took her in charge and dressed her as if she had been a baby crying over her softly and calling her all sorts of endearing names peggy was grateful for their help responsive to their tenderness but her composure frightened them it was unnatural that they should be crying themselves blind over peggy's trouble 
while her eyes were clear and bright and her lips wore that strange little smile the girls had finished dinner when peggy came downstairs and in spite of the heat of the evening they had withdrawn into the big living-room and closed the doors so that the hall and the porch were empty peggy appreciated this bit of thoughtfulness how kind everyone is she said gratefully give them all my love amy and say i shall come back to work as soon as soon as i can amy went with the others to the station peggy sat between her two friends very self-contained and quiet she had gone over the same road that morning on her way to work and again at night and she seemed to herself many years older than the peggy who had made jokes and had resented farmer peck's impertinence and yet even then this terrible thing was true the bus reached the station twenty minutes early and probably the train will be twenty minutes late marian confided to amy and the poor dear will have three-quarters of an hour of being stared at for though amy and priscilla showed traces of weeping it was in peggy's direction that the curious eyes were all turning but the train came in on time and peggy and priscilla got on board amy tried to smile as she waved her hand but her face twisted grotesquely and she burst out crying instead she ran to the bus and climbed in beside marian i don't see she sobbed as the train pulled out why if such things have to happen they need to happen to people like peggy raymond do you suppose he is dead asked marian her voice betraying doubt peggy seems to think he must be well perhaps that's natural but you know if he got to drinking graham doesn't drink and even if he had before he put on the uniform he wouldn't now i've known graham wiley years and years and while he's got faults enough he'd never do anything like that sometimes hinted marian when boys get away from home and into bad company but graham isn't the kind of boy to be led around he's a born leader if graham disgraced himself you couldn't excuse him as you would some boys there's nothing of the weakling about him poor ruth i'm as sorry for her as i am for peggy peggy's mother knew of ruth's telegram so that peggy's arrival did not take her by surprise she hurried to the door at the sound of footsteps and took her daughter in her arms my dear little girl she said her voice unsteady for a moment it seemed intolerable to her that the chief burden of the cruel war should be borne by youth it was the boys who were being killed it was the girls whose plans for the future were wrecked she strained peggy to her wishing as fathers and mothers have wished vainly for generations that she could bear it all and let the young go free i'll run over home and see the folks for a few minutes said priscilla guessing that peggy and her mother would be glad to be alone together for a little and she was right for there were some things peggy wanted to know before she saw ruth tell me everything they found out she said as the door closed on priscilla but mrs raymond had little to tell for beyond the grim fact of graham's disappearance nothing had been learned on friday late in the afternoon several of his friends had seen him walking briskly toward the northern boundary of the camp and he had stopped one of them to make an engagement for the evening immediately after mess that was the last time anyone had spoken to him on saturday nelson hallowell alarmed by graham's continued absence had obtained leave and gone straight to the wileys where his news brought consternation at once the search began the police were notified the hospital searched various hypotheses which the authorities were considering were scouted by the family it was out of the question that graham had become intoxicated and was lying somewhere in a drunken stupor oblivious to honor and duty it was impossible that apprehension had turned his brain as had happened occasionally with boys not so well balanced 
and that he had wandered away temporarily irresponsible no one who knew graham could accept such an explanation and yet it was equally impossible to believe that the earth had opened and swallowed him peggy listened without comment to the meagre details which only emphasized the baffling mystery she had not taken off her hat i think i'd better see ruth now she said how is she standing it wonderfully everything considered though she looks worn out poor child she wanted to telegraph you yesterday but we kept hoping that we would learn something definite and that we might spare you the terrible suspense mrs raymond rose adding i'll go over with you your father and mr wylie are out together the sight of ruth was good for peggy for several days ruth had been under the strain of which peggy had had only a taste she had hardly slept since nelson hallowell had brought the news saturday against ruth's pallor the blue veins in her temples showed distinctly and her eyes were glassy and unnaturally large there had always been a protecting fondness in peggy's affection for ruth and now as she kissed her she forgot her own trouble in the wish to be comforting it was strange how a common grief drew them all together peggy had always stood a little in awe of graham's father as much as peggy could stand in awe of anyone yet when he came in about eleven o'clock in company with mr raymond it did not seem at all unnatural to peggy after she had kissed her own father to turn to graham's father incredibly aged since she had seen him last and lift her cheek for a kiss she checked the question that had risen to her lips after one glance at the man's weary face but poor ruth could not be so wise oh father haven't you found out something no ruth nothing peggy gave ruth's arm a gentle pressure as she saw her about to speak again and ruth's parted lips closed without a word and then moving like an old man mr wylie went up to his wife's room mrs wylie never strong at the best of times had been in bed all day in accordance with the doctor's orders it had been decided that peggy should spend the night with ruth and as the girls went to their room peggy realized she could help ruth most by going to sleep herself not an easy thing to accomplish when every nerve was taut she struggled to compose herself she tried to pray but so firmly had the conviction of graham's death taken hold of her that it seemed a mockery to pray that he might be living and then she gave up the effort to find the words she wanted and let herself rest on the certainty of the divine compassion the love that makes all things even heartbreak and loss work together for good after an hour or two she dozed fitfully again and again just as her thoughts were growing hazy ruth's tense voice would say peggy do you suppose and then she would follow some torturing hypothesis showing how constantly the poor girl's thoughts were busy with the problem of graham's disappearance but toward morning worn out by her long watching ruth too fell asleep End of chapter 14